Hour number two, the Danny Picard Show, Sports Radio, W-E-E-I. Uh, we'll open the phone lines again in a few minutes after DJ Bean joins me. We're staying with Bruins here to open because, again, you know, you're asking me to give you the top story in the sports world here in Boston. I understand that nationally we got a college basketball tournament going on, you know, March Madness. You know, I don't care about your bracket. If you want to tell me who you think is going to win it all, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I assume everybody's bracket is busted, or most people's brackets are busted. Anyways, that's the biggest national story. Locally, it has to be the Bruins' 11 straight wins being the first team in the National Hockey League uh, to clinch a playoff spot. They go for number 12 in a row tonight in Phoenix. And to talk more about this, I bring in DJ Bean, Bruins insider for WEEI.com. DJ, how you doing today? What's up, my dude? How I heard you. I know you're battling right now. You're sick, uh, and I want to thank you first off for for calling I'm, I'm into not, the show. I'm not, I'm not battling. I, oh, you're not. If if I'm sick, I'm just a baby, and I don't want to play. Okay. So I I don't I don't play through stuff. The second I have any sort of ailment, I'm just I'm out. Uh, well, <laughs> I, well, yeah, you're here now with me. We're talking Bruins, and I'm thankful for that because as we look back at this. 11-game win streak, and it's not over yet because, as, as I just mentioned, they try to make it uh, 12 tonight. Is, is there something, as, as you put together all these wins in a row and this clinch play, uh, playoff spot officially, is there something that, that jumps out to you and says, you know, wow, I, I either this surprises me that this is still happening for 11 straight games, or, you know, what's, what sticks out to you in this win streak more than anything? Well, just, like, just like any other win streak, you don't really realize – that it's gotten to that point until it gets to about seven in a row because just like any stretch, you have your good games and you have your bad games. And they've had some okay games in there. They certainly haven't just steamrolled over their opponents despite what the numbers might suggest. Claude Julian put it uh, well the other night. I I think it was after the game against the Wild where he kind of nitpicked a bit and then he said, but we still played well enough to win. And that's kind of where the Bruins are at right now. They're going out and they're executing. The biggest thing for me, to get back to your question, is, I mean – that they're just never trailing. They don't give up goals mm. in the first period. They for for a stretch there, what was it? The uh, the Montreal game and then the Phoenix game. I think they had back to back games where they didn't allow a goal until like late in the third period. You're gonna win a game if you play that way. And I mean, you can call the Bruins a defensive team or whatever, but just as far as puck possession goes, as far as getting an early lead goes, they're just not letting their opponent get that lead. And if you play that way, you're gonna put yourself in a position to get a win, regardless of how the rest of it goes. And, DJ, what jumps out to me is the play of Chad Johnson. And I know last night, I think first period, look, I think Colorado, if you're an Avalanche fan today, you look at that first period and you say, wow, this team, yeah, a lot of missed opportunities. Even some open nets, wide open nets they just missed on. And, you know, but still, outside of that, I thought Chad, I never would have expected Chad Johnson uh, to play as well as he's been playing because I didn't look at him as being one of these top backups, backups that they've had in the past. No, no, and I mean, I, I admire Chad Johnson for his drive and how and what a hard worker he is, but for the first day of training camp, I mean, some guys just aren't good in practice, and Chad Johnson was letting in a ton of goals just in practices in training camp, and you're thinking, they let Anton Hadobin walk over $200,000 so they could get this guy, and, you know, he had his first few games, you know, he'd, he'd get wins here and there, and... Obviously, he had that game against Buffalo where wraparound goals seemed to be an issue, and you really wondered, is what what kind of caliber of goaltender is this? And he is one bajillion percent answered that question 
really since even before the Olympic break. And last night, I mean, you, you said it right there, that first period, a lot of turnovers, uh, a lot of sloppiness, especially the, uh, that, that crutchy line, I want to say, was about seven minutes into the game mm. when Lucic, or when the Ginla couldn't get it out, then Lucic couldn't get it out. That led to a lot of chances for the Avalanche. And yeah, they had some missed opportunities, but also Johnson just stymied them. Uh, he had the uh, stop on the uh, on the uh, the breakaway in the, the second period on that backhand bid. I mean, he was sensational. Yeah, and look, I mean, again, I can't, I never would have thought that Chad Johnson would be would be would be this good during this type of streak because when when we looked at all right what do the Bruins need to do you know to, to, we know they get into the playoffs but what do they need to do to put themselves in the best position to be successful when they get there and the first thing is give Tuka some rest right and 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 I guess in my head I sort of looked at it and said well you put Chad Johnson in yeah you might be sacrificing some games and I even made the statement you might even be sacrificing the division that's how down I was on Chad Johnson, but certainly uh, he has proved me wrong and I think proved other people wrong as well. Speaking with DJ Bean, uh, talking Bruins, DJ Bean, WEI.com, Bruins Insider. DJ, I made the statement in the opening segment, and it sort of plays into what I just said was, hey, if, I, if I'm Claude Julien and I'm picking my spots with giving guys rest, wouldn't it make sense to give a guy like Zidane Chara rest tonight in Phoenix, back-to-backs? Uh, wouldn't, this, wouldn't that make sense to you? Yes, totally. And if you really, and if you're concerned as a coach about, I mean, I know Milan Lucic said the thing about peaking too early, which was maybe the most innocent thing in the world <laughs> and was totally blown out of proportion by us, of course. But I think Claude got a little angrier about it than he, he should have. But if he's afraid of these guys getting too ahead of themselves, maybe he looks at tonight and says, let's not give this team the chance to, to uh, tie the, the franchise record for wins against the uh, when they play the the Canadians, the Blackhawks next week. I don't want to say let's punt this game, but mm. let's let's give other guys a shot. Let's certainly give Chara a game or two off. Danny Dupe suggested a couple weeks ago yeah. that the Bruins should just give Chara a week off, and I know that people laugh at that, but I mean, if I'm the Bruins, I really do try to find some sort of spot to get him out of game action. And what I do if I'm the Bruins, and maybe they don't want to do this, but if I'm the Bruins. I pick some game, and I say, you know what, Chara's out tonight. He's day-to-day with an upper-body injury. That way that no one suspects that he's tired. If you say it's a lower-body injury, people say, oh, great, it's his groin, it's his hamstring, mm. it's his hip or whatever, he's overworked himself. Just say it's an upper-body injury, say that his torso's too big or something, and give him two, three games off, and nobody will ask any questions. I think that's the way to go for the Bruins, because you have to remember yeah, you're without Dennis Seidenberg, and Dennis Seidenberg is your second-best defenseman. You know what Dennis Seidenberg is, more importantly? He is your minutes leader in the postseason. He's averaged more minutes over the last three postseasons by a minute or two than Zidane Chara. So Zidane Chara is accepting a lot of responsibility in these next few months. So any opportunity you can get to sit him out, sit him out. And Julian will counter that by saying, well, does he look tired? Does he look like he needs rest? doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're just looking at the calendar and saying that a guy can't play for that many months straight and have an Olympic break in there uh, without getting tired. It just, it just makes sense. Well, I don't think the Bruins, you mentioned, you know, you know, reasons for it. I mean, I don't even think the Bruins should care what other people think outside right. the organization when this happens because, uh, because I think they need to do what's best for themselves long term. And, and I don't think there's anybody that's going to argue the best thing for this team. You know, even if Chara wants to fight it, and I, ex- you know, we just had a caller that said, well, Chara's not going to. Chara's not going to want to sit. And, and yeah, I, I can understand that. He's going to fight it. But 
I, I think as the captain of this team, you know, after the game, he should understand that this is in the best interest. I mean, there is a there is a larger goal than winning a game in Phoenix tonight. Right. I think I think I think the Chara should begrudgingly accept that if that is put out there in one of the coming games. I don't think they're going to sit him against the Canadians. I don't think they're no. going to sit him against the Blackhawks. Those are two big games that are almost tests as you approach the postseason. Of can you get up for these big opponents? Certainly against the Blackhawks uh, on Thursday. So I think the Charis should begrudgingly accept that if and when they do decide to do that because I think all he needs to do is think back to what? Game four, game five, game six, when he was clearly hurting and the Blackhawks were clearly taking advantage of him. When Jonathan Taves comes out after that game, I want to say it was game four, and said, look, we're not afraid of this guy. We're going to go right after him. And that was because the Blackhawks knew that he was hurt. And I think that the, the Chara and the Bruins need to avoid at all costs getting back into that sort of scenario. So any way that you can prevent that from happening, the most obvious one, as you mentioned, mm. is giving him some rest, especially with this compressed schedule going down the rest of the season. Yeah, and, you know, you get in April, you have seven games in 13 days. I mean, I think they should do it more than once. You know, I think you should look at some of these back-to-backs and say, you know, if you want to pick the front end of it and give Chara the night off or the back end, do it a couple times. And if you want to give Chad Johnson some consecutive games here in a consecutive stretch, be my guest with that too. I think it's in the Bruins' best interest. Speaking with DJ Bean, Bruins Insider for WEEI.com. And DJ, speaking of the blue line in the back end, let's say Chara does play tonight, which even though me and you both agree he probably shouldn't, I'm willing to put my money on the fact that he will. Uh, let's say he does, who, would, who do you think would be looking out? Or who, who do you think should be out uh, upstairs looking down at this game? Well, I think that, that they've kind of gotten themselves into that rotation. I'm surprised that Matt Barkowski hasn't sat much. I want to say it took seven games since they got Andre mm-hmm. Mazzaro's for them to sit him. And I'm a, I don't know about you, Danny. I'm a big Matt Barkowski fan. I know that he had that brutal game the other night uh, against the Wild. But I think that he's a guy that, as you do sit guys going forward, he's a guy that you keep in the lineup and you uh, really see what you can get out of him as a top-four guy. With that being said, for rest's sake, he's a guy that maybe you do want to give a game off. I think that clearly he sat the other night because of punishment, and Claude Julien didn't want him getting ahead of himself. But I think that you rest a guy like him, even a guy like Tori Krug. Tori Krug had played every game this season until he, uh, until he was made a scratch the other night. Mm-hmm. Dougie Hamilton, I think that, that maybe you're sending the wrong message if you keep him out of the lineup too much. So a guy like Krug, a guy like Miller, someone on that bottom pairing. But I think that as far as who you can take out of the lineup goes once it gets to the postseason, I think a guy like Krug is indispensable because of what he brings in the power play. I think Dougie Hamilton's too good right now to take out. And I think that Matt Barkowski is too valuable as that second-pairing left-shot guy. So I think that it's really up to Andre Mazaros, that your boy, I know he's yeah. your boy, to really force his way into that lineup. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up being because I do think that at the end of the day he'll be in the lineup come the postseason. But I, don't, I, I can't say for whom yet. I, I guess the way I look at it, you know, if McQuaid's not back and, and I had to put my money on, on the way it would look, I think, and I say this because I do think that Barkowski has been – has benefited most from this defensive competition. At least from what I've seen from him, I've seen him benefit most, or at least more than Miller has. I, I, I think I see envision Mazaros in on that offside and maybe Miller out because he doesn't have the playoff experience. I think that's where I'd put my money on right now, based on what I see. So, like, for a third pairing, you're saying, so you go Krug, Mazaros? Uh, yeah, that could be it. I, that isn't bad because that, that, that brings a bit of size to that pairing as well. I know that you have that and you have that strength with with Miller there, but when you get to the postseason, you probably want some more experience. 
And, yeah, I mean, Mazzaro's in for Miller makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I like Miller's physicality, but there are certainly times defensively that, at least to me, I think he looks lost sometimes. And, well, and I, yeah, and that's something that people forget because people look at him and he's so damn similar to Adam McQuaid. You just assume he's that very safe stay-at-home defenseman, but he has had some issues in his own zone. I think that gets overlooked. Yeah, so we look at the blue line and speaking as we stay with the blue line. Before I, uh, I, I let you go, DJ, I, I want to bring up the Dennis Seidenberg story, which I don't even know if it is one. I think uh, we take maybe take a headline on the possibility of him returning late in a playoff run and uh, our eyes light up. I don't think it's realistic, though, that we see Seidenberg, even if they do get deep into the Stanley Cup final. What do you what did you think of this and, and Julian's comments on uh, on Seidenberg, or at least them not ruling him out? Are you reading into this, or, or are you with me that you don't think we're going to see him at all? Because I don't think it's realistic we see Seidenberg at all. Well, here's the thing. I would be more skeptical than I am, but, man, Danny, walking down the hall, going to the Bruins morning skate on Monday – I saw Seidenberg, and he was uh, he was doing some sort of exercise. I don't know what it's called because I don't do strong exercises like he does. But it was some sort of squat with resistance bands, and he would hold a he would hold the squat or whatever for a pretty long length of time, then back up and do it even longer. And I just couldn't believe that he was putting that much stre- that that much uh, pressure and weight on his lower body already. So I was kind of so that kind of raised my eyebrows. Then you have the other day. Uh, Yesterday, Pierre Maguire uh, mentions that guys from Carolina that he knows that are tight with Seidenberg are saying that it's a possibility that he's back sometime in the postseason. But the big one, the one that puts this on the map, is what is what Emily Benjamin got out of Peter Shirelli, that he was saying, you know, if we get late into the postseason, yeah, sure, probably we'll have him start skating and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Peter Shirelli has every opportunity there to say hell to the no Dennis Seidenberg isn't coming back this year. But you look at the six- to eight-month recovery time, January 7th was when he got that surgery. Six to eight months, that's, uh, that's June 7th, uh, my birthday, and Milan Lucic's birthday, what up, uh, to uh, August 7th. But Shirelli also said in that piece with Emily Benjamin that Seidenberg's ahead of his recovery time. So maybe now you're talking about late May, uh, early June. If the Bruins are still in it, which I think that we should all expect them to be, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's jumping the gun at all. We should expect this team to represent the Eastern Conference in the, the Stanley Cup Finals. Then if he's skating by then and you have the opportunity at a time when everybody else is losing players because you get so banged up during the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you have the opportunity to bring in the guy who's played the most for you in the postseason over the last three seasons, hell yeah, you do that. All right, well, we'll see. I, I do, and I agree. I think we'll be to the point where the conversation will come up. I'm not going to say that the conversation won't come up, but I do, I, I just, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if we get to that point and Seidenberg is actually ready and cleared and cleared all tests. You know, uh, fit, I, I'd be shocked if we, if, if that, if he is returning at some point. But uh, we have a ways to go before we even get there. DJ, last question for you. Do, are the Bruins the best team in the NHL right now? Because they're the first team to clinch a playoff spot last night. 11 straight wins. In your honest opinion, are, are the Bruins the best team in the NHL? Uh, I think the best team in the Eastern Conference, hands down. I thought they were before they went on that run. I still look at the Blackhawks, and I'm a little more scared of them. Obviously, watch out for the Blues. But I think that there's a team or two over in the West that could give you a run for your money. But Dale, and Dale raised this point the other day on the radio. made a great point that by the time the Bruins got to one of those teams, their path to the Cup Finals will have been easier than the Western Conference's path. So maybe the Bruins get 
to that team, and that team's a little banged up, and they're down one or two of their best players. Yeah, West is a little bit more of a dogfight than the East. Not to say that the East won't be a dogfight for the Bruins, but the West, I think we all can agree, a little bit tougher with some of those teams, sure, uh, especially yeah. in the, yeah, even Central and Pacific. Look at those two divisions. Wow. Uh, DJ, a great job as always. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy.